Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I know we all want to be booked and busy. That is the goal as estheticians. But in order to do so, we've got to be booked. This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to the link in the show notes and enter code TTR22F. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I hope you're doing great. I am your host, Tessa Zolli, licensed esthetician, and we are going to hop right into it today. I am sharing my skincare rules for fall and winter. It's that time of year again. It's starting to get chillier out. I wake up, I don't know if it's 4 in the morning or 7 a.m. It's been so dark when I wake up. I went for a little walk this morning. It was brisk. It was a little a little chilly. I had a wind chill. I was layered, got my Sherpa vest on, and it's spooky season, cozy season, coming up on the holiday time. So let's make sure your skin stays healthy for all of the fun things ahead. Okay, let's hop right into it. Okay, you're going to see a lot of estheticians starting to share their fall winter tips. And I can guarantee you, this is probably on everyone's list. It is important. And it's kind of essential. So let's get this one out of the way. Layering your skincare. This is the time of year to start layering, to seal in that hydration and make sure the skin is protected and hydrated and healthy. I feel like when we hear layer your skincare, obviously it's more general advice and this can really depend on the skin type because there are some people who are still very oily all the way through fall and winter. Other people are going to be very dry, excessively dry, even prone to rashes and irritation because of a lack of lipids in the skin. So just to break this down a little bit further, I do want to clarify how you do this. Depends on your skin and your skin type. But a good overall rule is that everyone does want to be binding water to their skin throughout the year, but especially in the fall and winter. Now, not all skin types need extra lipids, but everyone needs water in their skincare. So for an oily skin type, some be oily, congested, 
This might mean using a hydrating toner and a hydrating serum. Just off of the top of my head, two of my favorites are the Skin Recovery Mist by Glymed Plus and the Hydrogel. Those are like the Glymed gateway <laughs> drugs that I feel like are so universal and so helpful for getting that water content into the skin. So I'll link those below. I'll probably be mentioning a few things, so I'll just make sure I link them below. But having that base of hydration is essential. For a super dry skin type, when it comes to layering, this might mean definitely using water binding products, but also using some products with lipids and ceramides and really building up your skincare from thinnest to thickest. So you might start with a hydrating toner and a hydrating serum, but you also might add in a serum that has more ceramides that's going to be a little bit thicker, something like Cell Protection Serum from Glymed Plus, amazing for barrier rehabilitation. Make sure you have a great moisturizer that is a good weight for your skin type. And you might even consider, I, I think you should consider if you're more on the dry side or living somewhere very cold, you might consider adding in an occlusive or an oil product, especially at night. I don't recommend wearing an oil during the daytime because it will attract the sun, but you can layer it as the last step in your skincare routine at night. And this is where, you know, some people want to apply their oil first thing or mix it with their serum wait and apply it as the last step as like a little sealant for all that goodness. That way it will provide that extra little shield for you. And the reason this is so important, of course, is as we head into the colder months, this is when there is less humidity in the air. Outside, there's less humidity. And inside, when we're turning up the heater, there's also a lack of humidity. So both very cold, low humidity climates, as well as hotter, low humidity climates can be quite harsh on the skin. And that's where we can experience a lot more dryness and kind of just over-processed skin. So making sure skin has good hydration is key. That brings me to my next point, which is considering adding in a humidifier. Now, I know during the summer months, this is probably like ludicrous for a lot of people, but during the winter, a humidifier can be very helpful just for keeping those humidity levels kind of at baseline, at a healthy level. And there are some amazing humidifiers on the market that also work to improve air quality and that are used in a hospital setting or even a spa setting. Now that I'm talking about this, I feel like it would be such a nice touch for a spa to offer a humidifier in the lobby just to kind of showcase to our clients, you know, these good best practices. So I think that's really a good idea and suggesting one for your home use, especially while you are sleeping 
can be really helpful. There is a humidifier that I love and that I work with. They're called CarePod, and they also just came out with a new humidifier. I'm actually going to be doing a giveaway very soon, I think in the next week with CarePod. Their product is amazing. It's so sleek and modern and beautiful. So I'll link their product in the show notes, but I'll also be doing a little giveaway and choosing one person in the next few weeks. Okay, next we need to talk about exfoliation. Exfoliation is a really tricky arena. I think it's best guided by a professional, especially if you are working on your skin, you have a specific goal in mind, or you are looking at a more chronic cyclical type of condition. I think where professionals come in is kind of helping our clients nail that perfect threshold of exfoliation. And it can be a tricky dance, as I like to say, when you start working with somebody new, because as amazing as we are, estheticians can't always just look at somebody and know exactly what they're going to tolerate. So that's where the first few weeks and months of working together, we are getting to know your skin and helping you to find that perfect level of exfoliation and those perfect products for you to suit your exfoliation needs. But I do just want to say that all skin types need to be exfoliating. I feel like since there's so many products, it can be quite overwhelming. And I think clients know exfoliation is where things can get tricky and products can backfire on us. So a lot of people kind of default to not even exfoliating at all. But you do really want to find a way that you can exfoliate. Exfoliation is so important to help reduce buildup in the follicle. And when you think of that really beautiful glass-like smooth skin, a lot of it has to do with exfoliation because we're keeping that follicle clean and compact. And that's what provides that smooth surface that really reflects light, just like glass would. So that's where that term glass skin comes in. So oily skin types definitely need exfoliation. They might be shedding more skin cells in the follicle if you are an acne prone person or you're releasing more oil. If you are a dry skin type, you also need exfoliation. I think a lot of dry skin types can be more prone to sensitivity or barrier dysfunction. So this is a category of people that sometimes they, again, want to, want to do less exfoliation or stay away from it totally, which I can totally empathize with. But it is important to remove those dead skin cells that are building up on the skin daily in order to maintain properly functioning skin. So for dry skin types, your skin is actually going to feel less dry when you remove that surface buildup. So exfoliation is a must. This is also the prime time to address hyperpigmentation from the summer, be it melasma, 
sun damage, even post-acne trauma. For estheticians, usually this is our busier season. It's, you know, that time of year when clients are coming back from vacations and they're really ready to get serious about treating their skin. I would say personally, I'm more of a do consistent exfoliation for the whole year and definitely get your, you know, yearly treatments. But I feel like the way we're taught in school is, (laughs) you know, kind of just saving up for a couple month period where you go see an esthetician who puts you on a peel program and you kind of, you know, hit the skin hard in that couple month period. And not to say this doesn't work or is wrong. It's kind of just a different school of thought. You know, to me, I think you can safely exfoliate the skin for sure throughout the whole year. Of course, you just want to practice extra extra caution if you are going in the sun or if you're somebody who goes on regular walks or spends time outside. But regardless, my point was exfoliation. You definitely want to make sure you have at least one product in the routine that is perfect for you that you can use on a consistent basis whatever that means for you, because this is where I think skin can be so bio-individual. You know, we've been taught these rules like two to three times a week, you know, is ideal for exfoliation. And that can be totally suitable for some people. But when we're talking about a very acne-prone person who does have that predisposition to excess shedding in the follicle, they're going to need to exfoliate more than two to three times a week. That is just my personal philosophy, and that's where you can really see the results and where your client is going to get the benefits. So exfoliation is so personal. My best advice here is to work with a skin professional. At least meet with them one time, go in for a facial, or have a consultation where you can walk away with an exfoliating product that you you can use regularly. My next tip has to do with lip care. I see this trend forecast of lip care being so much bigger than it is now. And I have something in the works I'm really excited about launching in 2023. And that's all I'll say. (laughs) But when it comes to lip care, I feel like This is becoming one of the biggest focal points of beauty, right? We've seen injectables and lip filler blow up and almost become a norm, just like we were used to Botox being the norm. Getting Botox and lip filler is is becoming more and more commonplace. But I feel like we have hardly had any conversation when it comes to lip health, you know, we love a quick fix, which there's nothing wrong with lip filler. I have lip filler. I got it in this past year. I've, I've gone twice and gotten two full syringes. It still looks very subtle and beautiful. So I just want to be clear. I have absolutely nothing against injectables, lip filler. I love a cosmetic procedure, <laughs> but I do think Supporting that overall structure and maintaining 
health of that very delicate tissue just gets so easily overlooked. I feel like, you know, we might have these elaborate skincare routines, but when it comes to treating the lips, we're kind of just slapping on inclusive and calling it a day. So when I'm talking about lip care, there's a few key things I like to highlight. And of course, this is important because this is a delicate skin on our face and it's prone to excess dryness, right? This is when a lot of us get very dry or chapped lips, especially if you live somewhere cold. So this is what I suggest for lip care. Number one, you're going to get yourself a lip SPF. One of my biggest regrets when it comes to my skin is not using any type of lip SPF earlier in my life. I feel like we've embraced sunscreen on the whole, but the lips, again, just get so overlooked. And again, now they're becoming this huge focal point, but are we caring for them properly? I think we can do better. So you're going to pick up a lip SPF. You know, you can go into your local CVS and you can buy a lip product that has sun protection. There's nothing wrong with that. For me personally, my favorite lip SPF is by Color Science and I do retail it through Pomp Beauty. They ship free. They're amazing. So if you would like to try it out, I'll include my email below. You can just send me a quick note or put Color Science Lip SPF in the subject line. They have so many gorgeous shades. This is the most hydrating lip gloss I've ever used because I feel like a lot of times glosses aren't they're not really treatment products, but this one really is. It has a subtle pepperminty flavor, so you just feel kind of plumped, but it's not irritating in any sense. So for me, this is the perfect enhancement just to give lips some life, to keep them hydrated and to keep them protected. And you've got your makeup in the same product. So it's just beautiful. My favorite colors are probably the clear, which has a slightly, slightly whitish blue cast to it. This makes the teeth appear super white and bright and beautiful. So I love that one. But also the pink color is one of my favorites. Rose is also very beautiful. Really can't go wrong. But I love a lip SPF. I think we should be applying that a couple times throughout the day, especially if you're sitting near a window like I am now, or if you drive to work, if you go on walks, do anything outside, you definitely want a good lip SPF. Okay, tip number two that I learned from Jan Marini herself, I now do this every day and it's made a big difference for me. So you're going to take a washcloth, literally any washcloth, and once a day after your shower, you're going to take the washcloth. It can be slightly damp and you're going to rub vigorously (laughs) on your lips. This is going to help remove that dead layer of skin cells so new fresh skin can come up to the top and this will help to minimize fine lines and just keep your lips soft and youthful looking and i mean it's the cheapest hack ever so washcloth towel damp corner 
rub for, you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds just to get any buildup off. Lip scrubs are really nice and I do, I do offer them, but I don't, I don't sell a ton of lip scrubs. I feel like it's a nice thing for pampering or if you like to take baths and do a little lip mask, it's like a fun extra, but you can totally do the washcloth hack and that is free if you have one. <laughs> Next is to apply a lip treatment products such as Lip Science from Glymed Plus, which I will also link in the show notes. So again, I feel like as far as lip care, you know, the most we're doing is just applying a occlusive ointment such as Aquaphor or my favorite, Cell Balm. Occlusives are amazing, but because they're a thicker molecule, they're really just sealing in and protecting the lips. But if you can layer your treatment product before that occlusive, you're going to get more benefits because you're really sealing in hydrating and beneficial ingredients. So you don't want to miss that step. Apply a lip treatment product. Lip Science is a beautiful product for age age management of the lips, keeping them youthful, and really providing a lot of volume and helping to perfect that vermilion border. So that's a goodie. It'll leave you nice and plump and fresh. And then you just want to finish with an occlusive product. So this could be your favorite lip balm. For me, I really love Glymed's lip balm. It's nice and pepperminty and hydrating. My clients rave about this because I think there's so many chapsticks and, you know, lip masks out there that feel great in the moment, but over time, it just isn't really improving the hydration of the lips. So I really love that lip balm as well as cell balm, cell balm from Glymet Plus. My next tip is to make sure you have a cream cleanser on deck. Now, I think a lot of us can get away with using a gentle gel cleanser, such as my cleanser, Low Foam, or is Clinical Cleansing Complex is another favorite. These are non-traditional gel cleansers that really help to maintain skin's natural moisture levels that are pH balanced, so they're not your typical soapy cleanser. However, if you are using a harsher surfactant or any type of cleanser that you notice the skin feels dry and tight after using, it might be time to switch it up. I think, you know, an an important point is also making sure it's a high quality cleanser that feels good for your skin. I notice surface dryness is something that, that occurs in the summertime. It can also occur in the fall and winter months. Uh, A sign of surface dryness would be, again, that super tight feeling, especially after taking a shower when you don't have moisture on your skin. If your skin is gasping for water after cleansing, that's kind of a telltale sign. Sometimes you can also notice these little superficial lines, especially on the forehead, that are not true wrinkles. They're more so dehydration. And your cleanser is a really, really important component because using the wrong one is 
one of the fastest and easiest ways to pull moisture out of your skin and cause it to be dehydrated. So back to my original point, a cream cleanser is just something that's very nice to have. I know for me, I need that support of a gel cleanser, you know, even if it's just in the nighttime, but having a couple options on deck, I think it's just great because, you know, for most of us, it's not like our skin is just one way every single day, especially through a seasonal change. We can kind of have, you know, little imbalances occurring from traveling or eating salty foods or consuming alcohol or lack of sleep or, you know, being somewhere with very low humidity and 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 then going somewhere with a different environmental condition. So our skin, it is in flow. It does change. It's not just stagnant one way all the time. So I think having a couple of options for cleansers is really smart. Of course, I love my double cleansing system, which includes a cream cleanser and a gel cleanser. You know, not only does this allow you to have kind of a seamless synergistic system for double cleansing, removing your makeup and sunscreen at night, you can also use them individually. So if you wake up feeling a little more dehydrated or dry than normal, you can reach for undo. If you're feeling like you have more prominent buildup or you're feeling oily, you can definitely reach for low foam. But I think just having that option is great. And I do notice a lot of acneic clients can be fearful of cleansing because they just don't want to upset anything. They don't want to create imbalance. And if they're not sure exactly what they're doing, again, a lot of people will default to not doing anything because they feel kind of paralyzed. And I feel like there's this, this myth that's gone around that, you know, cleansing in the morning is counterproductive for your skin. And, you know, I've heard that your skin's not getting that dirty overnight, which is true. It's not likely not getting that dirty unless you have a pet in bed with you or you're sweating a lot or your pillowcase is dirty. But at night, our skin does go into repair mode. This is when it's kind of doing its remodeling as the circadian rhythm changes. This is when we start to turn over our skin cells and it's that cycle of renewal and rejuvenation. So there is a lot happening, even though we can't see it, there's a lot happening in our skin and we do want to remove those skin cells that have been brought up to the surface in the morning so that we can start fresh with our routine, remove any products from the night before and have a perfect base for the rest of our treatments and our sunscreen. So I am a big believer in a morning cleanse unless you have some sort of pre-diagnosed condition or, you know, it's an unusual circumstance where your skin really suffers from extra cleansing. I think for most people, having a cream cleanser on deck is just a perfect middle ground 
from just splashing your face with water or doing nothing because we're actually adding hydration. We're adding anti-inflammatories and soothing ingredients with the use of undue to the skin. And because it's rich in lipids, your skin is not going to feel like you've sucked the life out of it just because you've cleansed in the morning. And, you know, in the evening, if you're still feeling really dry, but you're wearing makeup, you could even use undo twice, once to remove those more surface level impurities, makeup, oil, sunscreen, and then still offer your skin a second cleanse that gets any residual impurities off the skin, but using a cream cleanser allows less of that, you know, surfactant action. So it's a really good way to support your skin in the colder months. So I'm kind of ride or die for a cream cleanser. I'm personally not an oil cleansing gal. I just don't think they're super effective and they can be counterproductive because we're using a larger molecule in the first step of the routine. And oftentimes oil cleansers don't fully emulsify. When we're talking about conditions like acne or rosacea, I prefer to have a cleanser do what it should, remove that layer of buildup and leave the skin clean and still hydrated and the barrier still intact but without any residual oil, which can feel hydrating, but because it's actually preventing your hydrating serums and moisturizer from, you know, doing their jobs, it's actually a bit counterproductive. So I'm a big fan of a cream cleanser. And of course you can use this around the eyes. You could even use it on your hands if you were suffering from eczema or a condition where your skin just felt really parched and dried out by a traditional hand soap. And that is what I wanted to talk about next. So when we head into fall and winter, especially because it's cold and flu season, COVID is still a thing. A lot of us are washing our hands frequently, which is great, and you should. But some people are going to be more prone to that inflammation and dryness. I've had clients with eczema hand flares, and the impact it can have on somebody's self-esteem and just suffering throughout the day is truly not to be ignored. So I know this might sound a little silly um, and it's not a tip for everyone. Everyone doesn't need to do this. But again, if you are in that special class of people who just really suffers from dry hands or rashes and irritation, you might consider replacing your hand soap with a cream cleanser. It might be a face wash. I actually love Glymed Plus Glymed Plus's vitamin C cream cleanser because it's so brightening and hydrating. I think that's a fantastic choice for the home or even my undo is very soothing and proven to improve the barrier function over time. So using something cream-based is a really nice option. I also recommend getting yourself a hand cream, and I think this will take you very far. And the hands, much like the lips, are an area that goes so overlooked until 
you know, a lot of time has passed, a lot of damage has been done, and then you're going into your derm's office for hand treatments and hand Botox, which again, nothing wrong with that, but I think just preserving the integrity of the skin is something that that shouldn't be overlooked. So you do want to apply a hand treatment. You do want to make sure your hands aren't ignored. So one of my favorite hand treatments is by Jan Marini. You can email me to order it. It's the Hand Renew Complex. It contains retinol. It's amazing for brightening, hyperpigmentation, lines, and aging of the hands and just leaves them feeling so rejuvenated and wonderful. So that is a favorite, but you know, if you have a favorite hand cream, be sure to use it, put it by your bedside table. Another little hack I love if you're not ready for a retinol hand cream is to combine a little bit of your retinol with another hand cream. Keep it by your bed because if it's in your bathroom by the sink, you might apply it, but then you're probably going to eventually wash your hands before bed and kind of wash it off. So if you put it by the bed and it's the absolute last thing you do before bed, you're going to reap all the benefits overnight. And I love a good skincare routine, never miss it. But when it comes to my hands, you know, I, I can definitely forget. So I need it by the bed to help me remember. My next tip is probably one you've heard before, but I can't tell you how important this is. And it's tough for us SDs because I think we always feel annoying reminding our clients not to wash with hot water, but that is another incredibly easy way to dehydrate your skin. Hot water just really sucks all that good hydration. And, you know, if you've been doing your treatments, if you're investing in a skincare routine, it's such a shame to really zap your skin of that hydration. And in the colder months, we don't have as much room to really play with our moisture levels, you know, throughout the spring and summer, you might be able to get away with it. But as those humidity levels drop, it's really harsh on the skin. And I've also seen, you know, something going around that you can't wash your face in the shower. And this is what it comes down to. You can totally wash your face in the shower, but I do suggest limiting the time you're taking your shower and turning down that dial. The sweet spot we want to live in is lukewarm. And I know it's disappointing because I know we love a hot shower, not always a lukewarm shower. And I'm totally guilty of loving a hot bath or shower. And you know, sometimes I'll get a minute of a hotter shower, but for the most part, my shower is lukewarm, especially when I am rinsing cleanser off of my face. I know it feels better to do hot water and it can be very comforting and it's totally like an act of self-soothing. But 
If you notice dryness to any extent, this is such a culprit for it. And I see this across all ages from my youngest clients to my oldest clients. Some people don't even actually know that hot water is damaging to the skin. So Estes, if you're listening, you want to make sure you have this conversation with your clients, especially if you want them to be able to tolerate their exfoliants and retinoids. It's super important we don't kind of wear down that threshold because, again, we only have so much room to play and that hot water can be a big barrier for our clients' tolerance of their other active ingredients. On this note of hot water, it's something I also talk about with my acne clients because acne really thrives in these hot, humid climates. And although this is not the cause of acne, it can definitely be an exacerbating factor. So if I'm working with somebody who's serious about getting their skin clear, say we're in my acne boot camp, which is done virtually, I recommend avoiding things like hot yoga, steam rooms, saunas. I know, even infrared because it's really promoting that heat and sweating. Um, long hot showers, baths, anything that's, you know, super hot and humid. There's even something known as tropical acne, which really thrives in these hotter, more humid climates. So your lukewarm temperatures, your cooler water, that's really our best friend and that's where we want to live. I think most people can acclimate to it. It can take some adjusting. And I even have to remind myself daily because I just crave that hotter temperature, but it's really not ideal. And on the same note, when we're talking about rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, these are conditions that can definitely flare in the summertime because they are, again, inflammatory or heat-based conditions. But as we get into the colder months, what do we do? Of course, we crave those warmer environments and that heat. So this is a time where our barrier function is often compromised. We're lacking those ceramides and lipids, which are essential for protecting our skin. When our skin gets dry, it is more prone to bacterial infection and basically just acting out. And if you've ever dealt with eczema or psoriasis or rosacea, it's so, so not fun. And I want to talk about a few tips for those conditions as well, but we definitely want to start with your shower, with your water temperature, and again, keep those on the shorter side, possibly even limiting them to one time per day if the dryness is really persistent. And yeah, just lowering, lowering that dial, keeping it more lukewarm to cool, even giving yourself a little temporary blast of, of cooler temperature water or cold if you can tolerate it is a great way to provide your skin a little cryotherapy, which is hugely beneficial and anti-inflammatory. Okay, I want to talk more about eczema and psoriasis. Any kind of rash-prone person, I am somebody in this 
group. I, I don't have eczema or psoriasis, but I do have rosacea and I'm prone to these really persistent, uncomfortable rashes. So I've been learning more about this myself, but there are some key rules you want to follow in addition to showering and water temperatures. I suggest if you're going to have you know, your one shower, use it for bedtime. That way you can clean and rinse the skin. And that way when you get into bed, you kind of naturally exfoliated a lot of those skin cells, which, you know, is what the buildup of those skin cells, when we're talking about psoriasis or when we're talking about somebody who's prone to rashes, a lot of times it's that buildup of dead skin cells. For me, I am allergic to dust mites and dust mites feed off of those skin cells, very similar to demodex mites with rosacea. That is their food source. So before you go to bed, and of course we do have some skin cells hiding in our bedding and our pillows, which is why with a dust mite protocol, you really want to make sure you're washing your towels, your pillowcases, your bedding super frequently, and even considering a plastic kind of shield or some sort of protective coating to put on during the day when you're not sleeping to limit that dead skin cell buildup, which sounds kind of wild. But as I, as I learn more about allergies and rashes, you know, it's kind of crazy how big a role our skin health plays. So if you can take a shower before bed, you're going to limit some of that skin cell buildup. And that way you're also shedding less on your blankets and sheets. So you can get away with washing them a little bit less frequently, although you still definitely want to be on top of that. Another important tip for people in this category, and I really mention it because winter is this time of year, you start to hear so many more complaints from clients or people who've never experienced this before, all of a sudden experiencing rashes or, you know, some sort of inflammatory response. Again, winter is when our skin is really compromised and we want to do everything we can to kind of keep it in homeostasis at that happy medium. So a couple things that I want to talk about here are number one, being really careful around pets if you are prone to rashes, irritation, allergy don't allow them in your bedroom, which is hard for a lot of people because we want to snuggle with our pups. But again, animals just like us, they shed skin cells, they play in dirt, they bring bacteria into our homes. and We want to keep that away from bedding. I am kind of a stickler on this with my acne clients because a lot of us just, you know, love to have our pup in bed. They're sharing our pillow. And although it seems super harmless, this can really add up to a lot of buildup on our pillows. So we want to be mindful of bacteria and that shedding of skin cells. So you want to keep the environment where you sleep 
as clean as possible. So limit pets in the bedroom. You might consider a air purifier as well. Number two, especially if you are prone to rashes as our skin's moisture levels drop during the winter, be very careful with any laundry products that you use. This also applies to my acne-prone individuals. Again, this is when inflammation can be higher. It definitely can be higher in the summer months too as we're promoting heat in the body. But again, the skin is a lot more susceptible when it is dry. I basically, to me, there's nothing worse than having a client using, you know, your standard Tide detergent, Tide pods, laundry additives, bleaches, stain removers, and dryer sheets. One of the worst culprits that exacerbates acne because it is depositing a coating of lye on the skin. So dryer sheets gotta go. Laundry detergent might need some switching up. You can still use Tide, but make sure it is a free and clear option. I also love the free and clear option at Trader Joe's, but make sure you're not using any crazy fragrances, additives, bleaches, another thing people can be really sensitive to. I know if I travel to a hotel, just one night in a hotel bed that's been washed in that kind of detergent and bleach can really set off a flare for me. So I know it seems like high maintenance, but if you are traveling a lot, considering possibly bringing your own sheet to lay on top or your own pillowcase. And when you're at home using that free and clear detergent, there's no need for dryer sheets. You can opt for wool balls if you're somebody who is who just prefers that for your laundry. I find that I don't need it, but that is a good option if you have a hard time kicking dryer sheets. My next tip for my allergy-prone, rash-prone, inflammatory acne individuals is to limit your exposure to a lot of products. Now, I love skincare products. I always want to try the next new thing. And for the most part, I think my skin can tolerate it. But if you're in this category of people who are really prone to reactions, you want to just be careful about the number of products you're adding into your routine. You don't want to just be buying everything that comes across your For You page. You want to be super intentional about your routine and just know that the more products you're adding into your routine, the more you're increasing your risk for an inflammatory response. If you are in this category of people who's just you know prone to lots of reactions, more is not more. And you want to be careful about using what you need to, finding the products that work really well for you and using what you need. It doesn't mean that a routine with five or six products is an absolute no-no and it's going to be detrimental, but just be careful of 
excess, overdoing anything and trying a million things, especially if you're not quite sure what the active ingredients are, what product goes with what. And this is where working with a trained professional, somebody who specializes in creating regimens like myself, can be very helpful. Okay, I want to end the podcast talking about self-care and why this is important in the fall and winter. Fall and winter are classically the time of the year that we have heightened stress, whether it's from trying to complete end-of-the-year deadlines and projects. I know I'm definitely in that camp too. You know, there's a lot of expectations around the holidays and not everyone has a perfectly smooth holiday season, although we can kind of think of, you know, this hallmark holiday. For a lot of people, it's a lot of tension, a lot of emotion, a lot of past history in one room or at one table. So just the holidays all in all, it can be a lot. Or even if you're just responsible for hosting guests, cooking a big meal, buying lots of presents for everyone. You know, it's a time of year. I think there's just lots of expectation, lots of demand, and the self-care can easily go out the window. And I want to be that voice in your head that's telling you this is the time to up the self-care. I always ask my clients if they have anything they're doing for themselves as far as their routine and their self-care. And it might seem a little fluffy, but I have noticed in my, you know, couple, several of years now of talking to people about their habits and their routine and looking at so many faces, so many routines, so many lifestyles, Having self-care is not just, you know, a fluffy thing or a buzzword. It's so important for our overall health and wellness. What I would recommend is bookending your day, both in the morning and at night, with some special rituals that feel good for you. You know, embracing the self-soothing. For me, I... For one, I'll just say this. I obviously love social media. I'm on tons of social media. I worked in social media for a long time. I love like the zeitgeist and hype of of just watching social media, watching videos, watching TikTok, watching YouTube. I could easily sit in my bed, and I still do this sometimes, but I could easily spend two or three hours just scrolling, watching, And then 11 o'clock rolls around. And how do you think I'm feeling after just watching hours of videos, of looking at other people, comparing my life to other people, having that stimulation, you know, going, and then just trying to switch it off and, and, and go to bed and get a good night's sleep after all that blue light and, you know, all the stimulation of these really catchy short videos. It's really hard. So what I've realized is how important my nighttime routine is. I think I'm better in the morning when the day is fresh and really good about doing a meditation, getting up, you know, making myself 
a coffee or a drink, going on a walk and setting myself up for the day, doing my skincare, I think nighttime is harder for me. And I think everyone needs that awareness around their habits and maybe just really having an honest look at what is serving you. What are some habits that you notice kind of don't make you feel the best? You know, it's really fun in the moment for me to scroll on TikTok, but do I get the best night's sleep? Do I wake up feeling rejuvenated? Do I go to bed in that calm, soothed state? I was really realizing, no, it's kind of the opposite. And I really need my rest. And I know you all do too. Sleep is so important for our health, our healing, and keeping our immunity up during this time. So again, I'm suggesting you really refine your morning routine and your nighttime routine Lately, my nighttime routine that I'm loving is, you know, doing my cleaning around the house after we have dinner, doing the dishes, maybe vacuuming or doing the floors, cleaning the countertops. That brings me a lot of peace and it is a self-soothing activity. So I like to get that out of the way. Then I like to take my lukewarm shower. I like to do my skincare. You know, feeling clean makes me feel really just good and happy and taken care of, getting into some pajamas. And I am enjoying a few minutes of stretching and listening to a Peloton yoga session. You know, it could be five or 10 minutes. I'm not talking about a workout whatsoever. Sometimes I'm just sitting there and doing even two stretching poses and kind of listening to a soothing guided voice and some calming music. I find lighting a candle. I'm loving my friend Lauren's non-toxic candles from Good Intentions. I'll light a candle, turn off the lights, do my little yoga or my stretching. I'm not looking at my phone at this time. And again, I get so many emails, DMs, texts, um, just we live in this cult, this urgency culture, and it's natural to want to tend to those, but I really have to try to put my phone away, set boundaries around when I can be reached, and, you know, I'll do my yoga. Then I try to get in bed, and I'll either listen to – what is the name of this app? I have to tell you guys because it's so good. It's called Slumber. Now, I don't know if anyone else grew up listening to guided stories. I listened to like the Magic School Bus in the 90s. And I think it's like a nostalgic childhood thing. I love listening to stories. My dad used to read to me before bed or just tell me little stories. So for me, the Slumber app is very soothing. And you could also do a meditation. They also have meditations on this app, but I am really loving the stories lately. Like anything underwater, to me, I'm really drawn to water and any story about water, basically. So I'll put on my little slumber story and that's kind of it. And I'm loving it. I wake up so much more rested and again, putting the phone away early and making sure I'm in bed eyes closed by 1030. That's really serving me right now. But I would just encourage you to, you know, maybe make a list, maybe take inventory of some habits that 
aren't totally making you feel your best, maybe some habits that do make you feel really good. I like to suggest these more inward activities to my clients, things like meditation, yoga, stretching, reading, even coloring, journaling, again, more inward activities. I think a lot of us rely on our workouts for stress relief, which is great, but it is more of a high intensity, stimulating type of activity. So making sure you have some good calming time for yourself is so important, especially in today's world. Lastly, to round out the podcast and on this note of self-care, I wanted to touch on nutrition, which I totally think is a part of self-care. I feel like we can think of our refrigerators and pantries as our little medicine cabinet. And, you know, looking back on my life as somebody who's lived very healthy the way I do now and as somebody who's lived very sick, I know that food has such a great potential to aid in healing and to really improve not only our skin, but our quality of life. We know that chronic low-grade inflammation can turn into larger problems. And this is why I do include nutrition as a topic within my consultations, because it's so important for chronic skin conditions and even low levels of certain inflammatory foods can be hugely impactful, even if the client perceives their consumption as very low intake, it still can add up to inflammation. So let's touch on some foods that can cause inflammation. These would be foods such as refined carbohydrates, white bread and pastries, fried foods, French fries, soda, sugar-sweetened beverages, margarine, shortening, and lard. And, you know, going into this time of year, of course, we can anticipate holidays. We can anticipate having some of these foods. And for many people, I think that can be okay. Our body can handle the acute stressors. I think it's more about taking a bird's eye view of the entire season and kind of looking at, you know, this end of the year, what are your lifestyle habits like currently? How are you feeling? Is your nutrition improving your quality of life or do you think there is some room for improvement? It's not about 100% perfection across the board, but I think anticipating what your bigger challenges can be, such as food preparation or social gatherings or lack of going to the grocery store so you have, you know, staple nutritional foods, um, I think those can all be challenges. And if you can identify them, oftentimes it really unlocks a whole new path to healing. And even just having conversations about clients and asking, what do you think could be 
you know, at the root of having challenges around healthy eating, a lot of people will say, you know, I just, I haven't made going to the grocery store a priority in my week, or I don't make the time to meal prep. So when I get hungry, you know, of course, I'm just going to grab the the closest, most convenient thing. And I think when people say those words out loud, it's really, really powerful. So as far as some of the foods that we can include to help reduce inflammation, this might include tomatoes, olive oil, green leafy veggies, such as spinach, kale, and collards. I am having such a moment with dark leafy veggies, you guys, cooked or sauteed in some ghee, garlic, onions, spices, even warming spices such as cinnamon, nutmeg, turmeric, and black pepper. So warming and delicious. Nuts like almonds and walnuts. I do commonly steer clients away from peanuts. That's the one nut I try to avoid because it can be inflammatory, high oil, and high androgen. So if somebody's investing and working with me in a treatment plan, tends to be easier to remove it and swap it for one of these other nuts or nut butters. Fatty fish and overall aiming for whole foods-based protein at every meal, I think is a fantastic goal if you were to do one thing. I think structuring a meal around high quality protein can take you a long way. So some anti-inflammatory options would include salmon, mackerel, tuna, and even sardines. Lastly, fruit such as strawberries, blueberries, cherries, and oranges. Fruits that are high in natural antioxidants and polyphenols. These are the protective compounds found in plants that can also be beneficial for us and our immune fighting response. Doctors and nutritionists love to reference the Mediterranean diet as an eating plan or an example or you know, a a way to source recipes, I think can be awesome. Overall, aiming for a high intake of fruit and veggies, nuts, whole grains, fish, and healthy oils. And overall, I think meal planning and making sure you're prepared for the week, even if it doesn't mean, you know, putting... (laughs) five meals in a Tupperware container, having a few staples that you can sort of mix and match or just rely on throughout the week, or perhaps having a crock pot, some way to slow cook food. So when you come home from a long day and you're out in the cold, you have something warming and cozy to look forward to and to support your overall lifestyle. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap up this podcast here. I hope you enjoyed this little fall winter special and got something out of these tips. Please comment on my latest on Instagram at myestitessa. Let me know if you learned anything new or how you like the podcast. Don't forget to pass it along to a friend who might benefit from the show or share on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm wishing you such a happy, healthy, 
fall and winter. And I look forward to hearing how you do with these tips. I will talk to you guys next week. Take care for now.